Genesis chapter 1. We read verses 1, 2, and 3 together. Genesis 1, 1, 2, and 3. And then you will pronounce over your situation lines. 1, 2, go. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So speak into your station and say, Lord, let there be light into my station. Let there be light, let there be light. Let there be light, let there be light, let there be light. In every light here, Lord, we say let there be light. In every situation that is before you today, we say let there be light, let there be light, let there be light, Lord. Lord, your word says, God, and, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Today we say let there be light. In our lives, let there be light. In our homes, let there be light. In our businesses, let there be light. In our place of work. Let there be light in our work of holiness with you. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Lord, we say, let there be light. Let there be light. So it is and shall be. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Please be seated. Today we will begin. We are still talking about be holy, for I am holy. But today I want to 
start a series on consecration. Everybody say consecration. It is a very, very important subject. And I want to just ask that we all pay attention. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we ask in the name of Jesus. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things in your word. Grant us, Almighty God, wisdom today. Spirit of the living God, come upon us as the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Into each heart, let the word of God shine through today. So it is and shall be. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Ordinarily, people confuse consecration with sanctification, dedication, holiness. They are close, but they are certainly not the same thing. And I want to rely entirely on the Word of God today as we look at what it means. This will, if you understand it and you are willing, it's all in your hands, it will change your situation and your circumstance. First, let's understand what was God's purpose in our redemption. What was the purpose of God? In order for us to understand consecration, we must first come to an understanding of God's purpose in creating us and in redeeming us. The truth is God's plan, God's wish, was for us to manifest the life of His Son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and to share in that glory. If you remember last Wednesday, last Tuesday, when we looked at the authority of Jesus, we looked at Psalm 82, and we explained that Psalm 82 verse 1, the Bible says, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty, he judgeth among the gods. The gods here is in small g, and it refers to, the original says Elohim. And the word mighty, I explained, also is Elohim, which is the plural form of God. We got to this because the, the Jews sought to stone Jesus. And Jesus said, many good works have I done. For which of them do you stone me? They said, not for the good works, but because you make yourself equal to God. And Jesus said, ah, is it not in your word that ye are gods? Turn to 82 verse 6. He says, I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. So Jesus says, it's in your word that ye are gods, and you are children of the Most High. So if I make myself and I proclaim to be the Son of God, I have not committed any offense because Scripture cannot be broken. You see, before the foundation of this world, God had purposed to have many sons, just as He has the only begotten Son. Before the foundation of this world, you've got to understand this in God, in His wisdom and grace and mercy, had purposed to have many sons, just as he has the only begotten son. Proof of that is in Romans chapter 8. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Let us all read verse 29 together. 1, 2, go. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. This is really Amplified Bible puts that verse. It says, For those whom he foreknew, 
of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning for ordaining them to be molded into the image of his Son, and sharing inwardly his likeness, that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. So God's eternal purpose is that he redeems us. The reason why you are redeemed is that he, God, may possess you. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and that ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. When we were doing the series, a walk through the tabernacle, one of the things we explained clearly then was one of the principal reasons why God made us is so that He may have a dwelling place in us. So that He may have a dwelling place in us. And here in First Corinthians six nineteen, the Bible tells us that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost and that the Holy Ghost is in you and you have Him of God that you are not your own. Everybody look up and say, I have been bought with a price. Yes. So God, the high and the lofty one, the uncreated creator, desires to indwell each person that is here. So that when you walk the face of the earth, they will see what it is to be a child of the living God. Now, how does God go about? Remember, we are talking about consecration. How does God go about possessing us? He uses two means to possess everybody that is here today. One, he sent his son to die for us. The death of Jesus on the cross is the redeeming or redemption process. When Jesus died, what was going on was that the debt that we owed, that we could not pay, Jesus paid that for us. And so, buys us back. Up until the point in time that you became born again, you actually were subject to a master called Satan. You were a slave to sin. In other words, your master at that point was Satan, the devil himself. Each person, before you become born again, is like a slave to sin. And you, can, you could not help yourself. The only thing that could save you from that situation was for Jesus to go to the cross and die on your behalf. Now, the death of Jesus on the cross is what the Bible refers to when it says he had been bought with a price. That death on the cross was a fee that Jesus had to pay so that your soul would be redeemed. So God technically, has all rights to our lives. Because he's paid a price we could not pay for ourselves. So, in the real sense of the word, when you say, I am redeemed, I am a child of God, what you are saying is that you have no rights. Remember, the Bible says, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. It says, glorify God, therefore, in your body and in your Spirit with our God. You belong to God. Listen carefully. It's very interesting. 
So technically, you have no rights. But you have been bought in the slave market of sin. You have been bought from Satan. God went and paid a price, and then Satan had to release you. I think if you understand that very well, one of the things that will fill your heart would be gratitude. That ah, it's God that paid for me, not somebody else. It wasn't Shongo. It wasn't uh, in fact. It was God Himself that paid for me. He bought us and has redeemed us. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 17, verse 13. Genesis 17, 13. This is what God told Abraham. But in it is the story of redemption. Let's read together. One, two, go. He that is born in thy house, and he that is bought with thy money, must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. So God was saying to Abraham, the children that you give birth to, and the people that you buy, because in those days they could buy people. And those people that you buy, all of them would be circumcised. That is, they will be accepted, as it were, into God's family. Now, the interesting thing is this. Not only are we born of God, we are also bought by Him. Everybody say after me, not only am I born of God, I am also bought by Him. It's when you are born again, you are born of God. And in that same process, you are bought by the blood of Jesus, who died on the cross in your place. That is what redemption is about. So, God says to Abraham, he that is born in your house, he that is bought with money. Then God now turns around, gives birth to us in that process that is called being born again, and at the same time, redeems us by paying a price for us on the cross. So not only are you born of God, you are also being bought by Him. Now, this is the very interesting thing. Please listen carefully. When God has done all of these things, God should just get up and walk away and say, fine, everybody follow me. No, that doesn't happen. What God does, after He has paid the price, that very expensive price for you, He does something strange. He sets you free. Everybody say, He sets me free. You see, we are bought by God. Thus, we belong to Him. Yet, He sets us free. Remember, first Corinthians 2, it says, You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. God buys you. You belong to Him. But He then turns around and does something strange. He sets you free. According to the right of redemption, we belong to God. Nonetheless, He sets us free. Because He will not, God will not force us into service. God will not force you into service. God will let you go if you desire to serve mammon, the world, your belly, or any other idols that you can imagine. So, what we find that is very interesting in church and in our lives is this. Many people believe, ah, I'm born again. Everything ought to change. True. But you see what God does is 
after paying the price, after putting you in church, many of us have been coming to church for five years, six years, seven years, but God is still inactive. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He will not force you into service. What God waits for each person is the day you come to a realization of what God has done. Then what God wants you to do from your own heart, from your own soul, is to come to him and to say, Oh God, I am your born slave. Not only because you have bought me, but also because I will gladly serve you. You see, that tells you something very interesting. That is, you can be born again, you can speak in tongues, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and still serve Satan. That's why people say, ah, in fact, there was a story the other day, this is a true story. A gentleman came for the uh, marriage counseling program. He doesn't come to this church. But he sat down, and all he did throughout that day was, Ah, you mean this man comes to your church? He tells his wife. He said, I know his girlfriend. Then the other man said, Ah, look, 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 this is my church now. Wow, this man should come here. You know his girlfriend too. That's very, very bad. That's why I say that God remains inactive. He just watches us. You see, until you come to a realization of what God has done, see, people who do those things don't even understand the basics of the Christian faith at all. Because they are twice as guilty. They are committing a sin, one. Two, by their sin, they are preventing people who would normally have said, I like God, I like this church. They are preventing them from coming because those people believe that if one, two, three, four, five men I know their girlfriends, and everybody in this church must have girlfriends. It's possible to be born again, and yet, at the same time, God is still waiting for you. He's waiting for you. Why? Romans chapter 6. Verse 16. Let's read together. There's a principle in the Bible there, very important principle. One, two, go. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey, the servant ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. It says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey, the servant ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. In other words, once you are a Christian, you are born again, God has paid the full price for you. You still have the responsibility to obey the enemy or God. But the Bible says, whomsoever you obey, that person immediately becomes your boss. Now, let me explain how that works. In the Garden of Eden, the moment Adam listened to the devil and took the advice that Satan had given. All his Adamic powers, all the powers that God had put upon him, moved from him and went straight to Satan. 
So that when we say we are born again, God is waiting for us to come to a realization of the fact that He has paid a very, very important price for us and that He has some great plans for us. And But He needs each person, each person, to come to Him by Himself and say, I am your bond slave. I am somebody who could not pay a price for myself. You paid that price for me and willingly I will serve you. If you don't do that, what you are doing inadvertently is you are doing the same thing to Satan because God will not force you into service. Guess who will force you into service? Satan will. That's why you find that there are Christians who take bribes. There are Christians who are involved in fornication, in adultery, and all the works. And those same Christians, when something goes wrong, they come and they want to be prayed for. You can be saved and still be Satan's servant. So we find that God has two ways in which he possesses us. On the one hand, we are his bond slaves because he has paid a price for us. On the other hand, he is waiting for you and I to willingly, gladly present ourselves to him as bond slaves. You see, the law, the law regards the fact that we are God's bond slave. And that, is, that happens on the day that you give your life to Christ. You accept the sacrifice on the cross. By law, you belong to God. But experientially, until you come to the place where you say to God, I am your servant 100%. I have no rights at all. I yield all my rights to you. I willingly will serve you. You will never come to an experience of what God has done. You see, there is no room for ignorance. Everybody says no room for ignorance. You know, sometimes people hear a message and they say, ah, I think it's a bit difficult and all that. No, 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 there's no such thing. God wants each person to come by himself, by herself, to a realization of the fact that, one, he's paid a price that you could not pay. If you didn't pay that price, you'd be outside perishing. But he wants you to accept the fact that after he has paid that price, he sets you free. He needs you to come to him willingly and say to him, I will serve you because you have paid the price for me. Nobody can say, ah, I became something by mistake. It's the way they were doing things in church. I didn't know when they started pushing things on me. No, no, no. Everybody must come to that place by himself. That is what consecration is. It is totally your choice. And it is totally your initiative. That's why Paul says, start with me to Romans chapter 12. Verse 1, let's read together. 1, 2, go. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In Paul says, it is your reasonable service. This is the thing that you should do because of what God has done. And in God, in his own wisdom, 
decides that I would play my part, I would go to the cross, I would die for them. He says, then they have their own part to play. They have to come to me willingly. I died for them, but I set them free. But the truth is, they are not free. But God says, I will still let you go unless you come to me willingly on your own. Let me show you a classic example of what God is talking about in the Old Testament. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy chapter 15. This is about the year of Jubilee. I'll read from verse 12. It says, And if thy brother, an Hebrew man, or an Hebrew woman, be sold unto thee, and serve thee six years, then in the seventh year thou shalt let him go free from thee. That is, it says, if your fellow Jew is sold to you, he will serve you for six years, God says, in the seventh year, you must let him go free. Because God is a just God. And when thou sendest him out free from thee, thou shalt not let him go away empty. Thou shalt punish him liberally out of thy flock, and out of thy floor, and out of thy winepress, of that wherewith the Lord hath blessed thee. Thou shalt give unto him. And thou shalt remember that thou was a born man in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeems thee. Therefore I command thee this thing today. And it shall be, verse 16, if he say unto thee, I will not go away from thee, because he loveth thee and thine house, because he is well with thee, then shalt thou take an awl and thrust it through his ear unto the door, and it shall be thy servant forever. And also unto thy maidservants thou shalt do likewise. Here's a picture. God is putting in place a provision for freedom and justice for his people. So since it is possible, remember the, the widow of one of the sons of the prophets. They were owing money and then they came to take her two sons away as bondsmen. Remember? And she ran to the prophet and said, ah, see what is happening. So they had provisions in those days in Israel, where people could be sold to each other. And here the Bible says, when you buy somebody who is a Jew, he can only be a slave for six years. Seventh year, you let him go. And you don't let him go empty-handed. You let him go with a lot of good things. He has been a slave. He has served you for six years without rights. Then the Bible says, however, there are some of these slaves who will decide that because of the fact that my, my master has been really good to me. I have no desire to go away a free man. I want to just stay and continue to serve him. And God says, okay, in that case, the person may stay and be your slave forever. That's the relationship that God is looking for from you and I. We must come to the place where we decide on our own. This, what I'm talking about here today is not something I'm going to pray in here. Everybody must go and think about what I'm talking about. And then come to your room and say quietly in your room, Lord, I will serve you. I, I know that you, you pay the price for me. I am your slave. I have no rights. And today, I make up my mind that I will serve you and you alone. 
is, that is what consecration is all about. But then there's a lot more to, to consecration. So what I want us to understand here today is that God is waiting for you. You might say to yourself, ah, but I'm a Christian. As we go on in this series, you find that there are some things about us. For example, some of us will pray that prayer. And yet, it is the old man that is praying the prayer. That prayer will not be acceptable to God. Because God has made a provision that the old man must what? Die. You know? Once he's dead, he cannot come back to life. He cannot. It's the old man, for example, that goes around and promises to marry three or four or five sisters in the same church. That's the old man alive and well. Yet the brother speaks in tongues. Yes, it's possible. So what I want us to do today is turn with me to Psalm 19. Verses 12 and 13, we'll read together. Psalm 19, verses 12 and 13. Are we all there? One, two, go. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. I just tell you today that you should remove all your secret faults. Because those faults make it impossible for your prayer of dedication and consecration to be acceptable unto God. He will not accept you on your own terms. He will accept you only on his own terms. So let's tell him today, cleanse me from secret faults, Lord. Tell him, hold me back from presumptuous sins. It is presumptuousness that makes us be born again, speak in tongues, come to church on Wednesdays, on Tuesdays and on Sunday, and still do the things that we do. It is all being presumptuous. So let's just speak to him today and ask him to have mercy upon us. Plead the blood of Jesus over your spirit, your soul, your body. Because what we have learned today tells us that even before God made the world, his plan is that he should have us as brethren of Jesus Christ, the firstborn. He wants many, many sons. And he has paid the price for the sons. But he's waiting for the sons to come back to him and say, Lord, I realize today that I'm your son. I yield all my rights. And I come to you and I say, I willingly serve you. I willingly commit my life to you. Everything that I am, I give to you. Because, Almighty God, you have paid a price for me. A price I could not pay. I do not belong to myself. I know that today. And I yield myself into your service. Do with me as you wish. I present my life, my body to you as a living sacrifice. Bye. 
tell him, Lord God Almighty, I am your born slave. Not only because you have paid the price for my redemption, but because I decide today on my own that I will gladly serve you and no other. You alone, Lord, will I serve. Only you, only you, only you. Lord, bring me to that place of consecration, Lord, where I will serve you and that my service will be acceptable unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it is and shall be in Jesus' mighty name. Now there's so much that is in consecration. We'll continue with this until we exhaust everything. But turn with me to some page one. I want to show you one of the benefits of consecration. Because if you don't go through the doorway of consecration, you may never arrive at, at sanctification or holiness. It is consecration that leads to sanctification. So, holiness is not just saying, I won't do this, I won't do that. You say, don't wear crazy dresses, what they call figure hugging dresses in church. And then some people now think that they wear long gowns. Then they are holy. No. You've got to come to the place first. See, God is a God of order. But let's go to Psalm 21. Let me read to you. These are the benefits. It says, The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation. How greatly shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire. You see, when you are consecrated, God will give you your heart's desire. In other words, you will think a thing and it will just come to pass. You won't even need to pray. You will just desire a thing and God will put it before you. Why? Because you have come to the place of saying, I have no desires anymore. Only that which you want me to do, that's all I will do. I present my body to you a living sacrifice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire and has not withholden the request of his lips. For thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness. The blessings of goodness will come upon you. Thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked life of thee, and thou givest it him. Even length of days, forever and ever, his glory is great in thy salvation. Honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him. For thou hast made him the most blessed forever. Thou hast made him exceeding glad with thy countenance. For the king trusted in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Thy hand shall find out all thy enemies. Thy right hand shall find out those that hate thee. So when you are God's bond slave, it's impossible for anything that is not of God to come upon you. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. Their fruit shall thou destroy from the earth, and their seed from among the children of men. For they intended evil against thee, 
they imagine a mischievous device which they are not able to perform. All those who intend evil, who imagine evil, because you have become God's bond slave, they have to never be able to perform their enterprise. Therefore shalt thou make them turn their back, when thou shalt make ready thine arrows upon their, their, thy strings against the face of them. Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength, so will we sing and praise thy power. So God is not asking us to make this choice just for fun. He says, I'm not asking you to seek me in vain. He's asking us to make this choice because it's in our own best interest. So I want us to take this seriously. I'll show you a lot more things about consecration as we go on. Let us now prepare our offering so that we can be out of here.